As we move to the end of Daniel chapter 11 into chapter 12, we have a unique prophecy about the Antichrist, but we also have words about the end of the world, the rapture and the resurrection, and even the restrainer. Who is the restrainer? Well, we'll dive into those subjects today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. At the end of time, I believe you could confidently write in your Bible, just before the return of Christ, the king of the south, somewhere down south of Israel, because remember, in these books that we read, Israel is always the center, and geography in the Bible moves from Israel as the center. So south of Israel, you have Egypt, you have Africa, so this could speak of African armies. Uh, You have the area of the Sudan and everything that's down there. North of Israel is Syria, but we know beyond Syria, we start moving up north and we're moving towards Russia and other places. And one thing that you could take note of, and I don't have time tonight, is you could write down Ezekiel 38 and 39. And you could begin to see that when God talks about an end time war, he includes enemies coming from the north. He puts a hook in their jaw to move them toward the land of Israel. He'll ultimately deliver the land. But this ties all together. And so notice, there's a collision. The king of the south with him will collide with him. And the king of the north will storm against him. We have mention of chariots, horsemen, many ships, will enter countries, overflow, and pass through. And so there will be warfare. Uh, One writer says, this would further confirm the individual being addressed in verse 36 has swung from Antiochus to Antichrist. The king is distinguished from the king of the north in verse 40. Therefore, he cannot be Antiochus Epiphany. So this can't be ancient. The king of the south is some sort of military leader. He comes from south of the Holy Land. Um, I mentioned to you the possibilities geographically. The king of the north, you have Syria, but you can go up from there and you can uh, do your own research on that. Verse 41. He will also enter the beautiful land. What land is that? That's Israel. In fact, when people uh, get excited about going to Israel, they call it what? The holy land. And, and a lot of people say, that's on my bucket list. Before I die, I want to go to the Holy Land. And another way f- word for the Holy Land is the beautiful land. It's, it's a land, by the way, that is budded again. And that was predicted in Ezekiel 36 and 37, that the land that was once lie desolate will bloom again. And it is bloomed right in front of our eyes. In fact, do you know, Israel is in the top, I believe it's either five or three, of distribution of fruits and vegetables to the entire world. And at one point within the last, what, 70 to 100 years, the land was underwater and nobody even wanted to bother with it. It was swampland. It was was desolate. It was nothing. And it has bloomed again. And that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy as well. And so he'll enter the beautiful land, will this Antichrist, Many countries will fall, all kinds of war, but these will be rescued out of his hand. Edom, Moab, the foremost uh, of the sons of Ammon. These are traditional enemies of Israel. 
They won't be invaded, and I, I take this as their geographic regions will not be invaded because uh, at this time, even when Daniel writes, this is kind of uh, past enemies of Israel. Then he will stretch out his hand against other countries, 42. The land of Egypt will not escape. But he will gain control over the hidden treasures of gold and silver, over all the precious things of Egypt, and Libyans and Ethiopians will follow at his heels. He will begin to dominate the world. See the word hidden treasures there, the words hidden treasures? Joel Rosenberg wrote a book about uh, Israel and the epicenter, and he believes that it is possible that hidden treasures there may refer to oil being discovered in the land of Israel. I don't know if that's sound or not, but it is an interesting thought because you know with oil comes what? A ton of money. You have oil, you, you can begin to dominate the world in terms of economics. And so rumors from the east, from the north, <clears throat> will disturb him. He will go forth with great wrath to destroy and annihilate many, 45. And he, the Antichrist, will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion, his headquarters, if you will, between the seas, that's the Mediterranean and Dead Seas, the coast of Israel and inland, and the beautiful holy mountain, that would be Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. We have another clue that the Antichrist, once he begins to dominate the world, will pitch his tents or his headquarters right there on Mount Moriah. Uh, notice, uh, the beautiful holy mountain is mentioned there or somewhere near it. And there are many be who believe that he will help the Jews in some way rebuild a temple. And that temple is the one that many believe he goes into and proclaims himself to be God and causes the abomination that makes desolation, which is Matthew 24, 15, which Jesus said was spoken by Daniel the prophet. So here's the, that's the end of chapter 11, okay? So lots of incredible things. Jesus said in Luke 21, 20 and 21, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, recognize her desolation is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of the city depart and let not those who are in the country enter the city. Luke 21, 20 and 21. Now at that time, remember when the Bible was originally written, there are no chapter breaks. We added chapter breaks to help us know where verses are located. Okay, that came later. Now at that time, Daniel 12, 1, at what time? when all this stuff's going on with this person we've just been studying, right? At that time, I believe this is the middle of the 70th week we learned about in Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. At that time, at this time of great trouble, great war, uh, world domination, claiming to be a god, wanting worship, Michael, the great prince who stands this is a present continuous tense. He continues to stand guard over the sons of your people. Michael has a special relationship with Israel. He's the archangel we know about. And he is there described as the great prince. He stands over the sons of your people. Michael will arise. 
Now, what does that mean? Michael's already been guarding Israel. We've already learned about that in Daniel 10. Nobody fights against these enemies uh, of yours except Michael. Michael's already been standing guard. The word arise, this is a very important moment in this sermon, so stick with me, is Ahmad. A-M-A-D. Ahmad. At this time, Michael will Ahmad. Now let me just read from a lexicon because this is an important word. The word Ahmad means to stand in various relations, to arise, or to cease. The word can mean to stand still, to stop moving or doing, to cease. There's a quote from the Midrash, page 258, where Rashi, or this is a 258 from another book, but Rashi, one of Israel's great scholars who had no concern regarding end time stuff and all of that, understood Ahmad, Michael will Ahmad, to literally mean that Michael will stand still. At this time, Michael will cease to intervene for the children of Israel. If that's what Ahmad means, if he's already been active and he ceases his activity, his, his uh, protection or restraining activity, then Michael stands still. Think of it this way. In the book of Job, God removes his protective covering from Job and he says to Satan, you can have at him, but you can't touch his life. And God steps out of the middle. Satan's complaint is, you have a hedge about this guy. That's why he honors you. That's why he worships you. But remove the hedge that you got around him. Let me at him. He'll curse you to your face. Well, at that time, Michael will Ahmad step out of the way, if you will. And what will happen? Well, notice, I believe that this answers the question. And there will be a time of distress once Michael Ahmad's, such as has never occurred since there was a nation, that's Israel, because Israel is the subject here, until that time. And at that time, your people, and this is was Daniel's prayer and question all along. What's going to happen to my people? Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. The Hebrew word is yimalet. It means to be delivered, to be saved, to escape. It could speak of both rapture or resurrection. Michael will stand still, and then there's going to be this great uh, time of distress. Now, y'all good? Anybody need peanuts or anything? You all right? Okay. Now, this is, this, you got to see this. Now, I want to show you a couple of, of verses to buttress this point, to support it. 2 Thessalonians 2, where you were before, hold your place in Daniel, we'll be back. Just a few more verses, but you got to see this. So this is 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, how many of you have heard of teaching about the restrainer? Raise your hand if you heard about teaching of the restrainer. Now, um, there's been a debate among good scholars about who is the restrainer. I, I, I can't remember how many different views on the restrainer there are. And there are, but there are, we've probably, a lot of us have heard that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, or the restrainer is the Holy Spirit in the church, or the restrainer is 
the church in the world. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Now, how many of you have heard of teaching about the restrainer? Raise your hand if you heard about teaching of the restrainer. Now, um, there's been a debate among good scholars about who is the restrainer. I, I can't remember how many different views on the restrainer there are. And there are, but there are, we've probably, a lot of us have heard that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, or the restrainer is the Holy Spirit in the church, or the restrainer is the church in the world, that kind of thing. But there's, there's more than that. There's probably at least over 10 views, but I think there's even more. But remember what you just heard about Michael ceasing and stepping out of the way? Now look at this. This is the verse, the verses we just looked at were telling us about this Antichrist, what he's gonna do. And so look at verse six of 2 Thessalonians 2. And you know, says Paul, what restrains him now. What restrains who? The man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. So that in his time, he may be revealed. That's still the Antichrist being revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's already operational. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is what? He is taken out of the way. How many of you have ever played racquetball before? Racquetball players? Okay. So in racquetball, we have something called a hinder. And a hinder is when your opponent is between you and your shot that you wanna to make to the wall. So in racquetball, you wanna hit the ball low on the wall. But if your opponent is positioned in front of you like this, <laughs> waiting for your shot, and you go ahead and execute the shot, it may be because you don't like them. <laughs> because if you hit that little blue ball into their body, it can produce various colors on their skin for many months. So if you're winding up and you say, I do like this person, or even if I don't, I am a Christian, I'm a pastor, should I hit this? And you say, hinder! And when you call hinder, that means you're in my way, man. And I didn't want to obliterate you. <laughs> I want you to live another day. We want to play tomorrow. So I called a hinder. You were in between me and my shot. Well, this restrainer who hinders the revealing or the dirty work of the Antichrist, the time of great trouble, he will at this time step out of the way. He will no longer be a hindrance to the operation of the full evil that will occur. Now, who's the restrainer? Let me tell you that I don't live and die with this view, but let me just submit to you that if you want a good biblical argument for who the restrainer is, I would argue that it's Michael. 
Michael the archangel. You say, Pastor Michael, how could you say that? I just made the biblical argument for you. I just connected Daniel 12.1 with 2 Thessalonians 2.7 to show you that that is a strong biblical argument for who the restrainer is. He's the prince of Israel, the great archangel Michael, who at this time will Ahmad. He will no longer hinder. He will step out of the way, at least for a time. Something to think about. Again, I don't think it's that essential that we know who the restrainer is. I don't think we have to write a book about it. Although if it was called Michael, I'd probably buy it, personally. But. All right, one more. Go to, go to Revelation 12. Now check this out. Now, during the 70th week of Daniel, there is going to be a war. I believe that Revelation 12 is right in this time frame because in Revelation 12, the woman who I believe is Israel flees to her place. Some believe that that's Petra. She does that for 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's Revelation 12, 6. But notice what happens now. And there was war in heaven. So I believe you're gonna have Michael stepping out of the way at some point, but this is another consideration. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels... Revelation 12, 7. Waging war with the dragon and the dragon and his angels. Some of you have wondered, why, does the, why do people say that uh, Satan has his minions and Satan has demons or angels that follow him? Well, here's one verse. Satan has angels. Michael has angels. The good angels are on Michael's side, of course. <laughs> and then Lucifer has his evil angels. You all know when I talk about Michael that way, I'm just joking, okay? But anyway, just so I don't get an email. <laughs> anyway, so how this all comes together is that Michael, who has been restraining and wages war with the dragon and his angels, and uh, the dragon is, look at verse nine of that same chapter, is thrown down the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now I believe this is in the 70th week, the last seven years. And so I heard a, uh, a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell and you who dwell in them. But notice, woe to the earth and to the sea because the devil has come down to you. Having what? Great wrath. There's Satan's wrath knowing that he only has a short time. How much time does he have? About three and a half years. And so here's what I think. This is my own opinion. I think that Michael will kick Satan out of heaven, or God does it, but Michael executes it once and for all. He can't accuse us anymore. He's thrown down during the 70th week down to the earth, and he knows, uh-oh, the clock is ticking short time. This, this is over. And then I believe Michael, in some way, steps out of the middle so that Satan has a time where he can persecute the woman and her offspring, Israel and the church. Everybody with me? 
I know it's a little complicated, but this is how I think the Bible is teaching this time uh, that unfolds. All right, so back to Daniel and we'll finish it. Okay, so then what happens? If he has this time of wrath, if he can persecute the woman and do what he wants to do, what's gonna happen? How, how is this gonna end? Well, the Bible does teach us that this time will be cut short for the sake of the elect by the return of Jesus Christ. And here's, here's how, it, how it goes now. It says, Daniel 12, one, we're only going to verse three. And, at, and it says, at that time, end of uh, verse one, your people, everyone who's found written in the book, I take that as the book of life, will be what? Will be rescued. Now, is the rescue a rapture? Is the rescue a resurrection? Is the rescue like God did in the book of Exodus where he especially protects his people? I, I don't know for sure, but that's something to chew on. And at this time, here's what happens. Many of those, and this may tell us that the rescue is actually a rapture or resurrection. Specifically here, a resurrection. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground, those who are dead, buried in the ground, will awake. They will be resurrected. These, these who awake, to everlasting life. Now, I believe that what you have here is the first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous at the return of Christ, and the rapture will go with that. But the others, I believe that's unbelievers in verse two, uh, to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Now, if you take Revelation 20, verse four with Daniel 12, two, there is uh, the teaching that the first and second resurrections are separated by a thousand years. That's if you believe in a literal millennial reign of Christ. If you don't, you believe that the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous will happen at the same time, at the end of the world, and Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats, and the sheep will go into the kingdom and the goats will go into eternal condemnation. There are some really good scholars that believe that maybe we ought not take the thousand years literal because there's other verses that seem to say maybe this happens all at the same time. And everybody gets raised, but some people to a resurrection of life and other people to a resurrection of condemnation. You could check out, write down John 5, 24 through 29, where Jesus says something very similar. So that's another thing just to think about. But there are other, uh, we would call them uh, millennials or those who hold to a literal millennial uh, reign of Christ, and I would be in that camp who believe they're separated by a thousand years. First and second resurrection. First resurrection is the righteous to life. Second resurrection at the end of the thousand years to death, which is the end of Revelation chapter 20. And finally, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness, those who witness their faith, they will shine like the stars, what's your Bible say? Forever and ever. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 11, verse 30. And so... 
This is the story of the end of the age. It's pretty exciting. Pretty sobering, <laughs> right? You, you look at it and you go, wow, man, this is, this is something. This is good and evil. This is light and darkness. This is, but did you notice how it ends? How it ends is God comes and rescues his people who have been written in the book of life and says they're going to shine like the stars forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, listening family, each time I preach, I have you on my heart and mind as well. And my prayer and hope is that you will let the Lord lead your life. I encourage you to go out in this Christmas season and show your family and your community that Jesus is indeed the reason for the season. He's the reason that we do what we do. He's the reason why we serve. He's the reason why we give. Well, I'd like to remind you that the radio program that we share together is one that we want to grow in the coming year. We hope to reach more communities across this nation and all over the world. And we could really use your help to do that. If you feel led to bless Walk in Truth and contribute to its mission on the radio, please visit our website at walkintruth.com and click on that donate button. Every donation helps a great deal and is appreciated, no matter how big or how small. The website again is walkintruth.com. I pray you come back next time as we conclude the teaching series in the book of Daniel. The message is called The End of the Age. I'll talk to you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.